0: All right. Welcome to the Master Passive Income Show. My name's Dustin Heiner, and I'm here to help you learn how to quit that J O B, that just overbroke job by investing in real estate rental properties so you never ever have to work a job again. Now today, I am super excited to bring on one of my one-on-one coaching students to walk you through how he became successful investing in real estate, buying property after property. Now he has an automatic business running itself. And we even touch on how he just sold his company to Microsoft for a lot of money. It's a great interview. Let's jump in today's show. Let's do this. I can't tell you how excited I am to have you here with me on the Master Passive Income podcast, and I really appreciate you guys here with me on a weekly basis, and I really, really enjoy having my podcast, teaching you guys literally how to invest in real estate. And what is super interesting is I've coached lots and lots of people, and every time I either get a new one-on-one coaching student or I get somebody that joins the Real Estate Wealth Builders where we have the group coaching, I always love to ask the question, how did you find me? How did you find out about Master Passive Income and everything that I do? And usually it comes down to the person either listening to my podcast or hearing me on somebody else's podcast and then coming and listening to the podcast on their own. And so I love the fact that The one-on-one coaching students and the real estate wealth builder students are coming from the podcast because you guys listening to the podcast are taking action. You guys are action takers. You guys want to invest. That's why you're here is because you want to invest in real estate. Now, what's super interesting is that I can literally teach anyone how to invest in real estate, but I can't get them over that hurdle to realize that they actually can do that where they realize that I'm going to do that. And same thing with you. I know you might be on the fence where you are thinking, I want to invest in real estate, but there's so many things I don't know and so many worries. And what if I buy the wrong property? What if I do this, that, the other? That could be wrong. Trust me, I'm in the same exact boat as you. I don't want to do things wrong as well. That's why I created the system, the Master Passive Income System, so that you can Basically, just follow the steps to investing in real estate and I want to give you those steps literally for free. get my real estate investing course absolutely for free. you can text the word rental r e n t a l two three three seven 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 rental to three three seven seven I will literally give you my real estate investing course showing you how to find an area of the country to invest how to build the business first how to make sure you're buying the right properties, how you can make it an automatic investing business and be able to scale the business to be able to quit your job, text the word rental, R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. Now, today, I am super excited to bring on one of my one-on-one coaching students who has actually just sold his company to Microsoft. When we talk about that super impressive how he's done that on top of that he has become a fantastic real estate investor as well. So let's jump into the show where I interview one of my students, Terry Dunlap. He's going to show us how he became a successful real estate investor and how we can as well. All right, let's do this. Terry Dunlap, thank you so much for being on the show with me. Yeah,
1: Dustin, you're very welcome. I I appreciate it. And, And this background I'm, I'm in a room we're kind of like redoing the house and my, we're, we're still working from home because of the COVID thing and my wife's upstairs on a conference call so I'm down here in a room that's kind of partially done so that's why the echo and in, in, the, in the in the prison type uh you know, mugshot format here.
0: <laughs> that's funny. And so I have another student, what I'm going to be interviewing, I think in two days from now, and he's going to be in New York City. And he said, is that going to be okay? I'm going to be in a hotel in New York City. I said, as long as there's not going to be like gunshots and sirens, wait, 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 that might should be a fun interview. Let's if that's going on, that'd be fun.
1: I had this set up outside on the deck because it's sunny, 74 degrees. I was all ready to go. And then the neighbor started up his lawnmower and it's like, oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and that's the thing I love about having, what we're doing as investors, like we're just normal everyday people, like your next door neighbors that have done this. And so that's why I love doing this and sharing with people. So Terry, now you have definitely have a lot of understanding of business. Now let's talk about real estate in general. Now, what got you started down the path of real
1: estate investing? Well, it's (laughs) this is kind of a funny story, but it's actually been something I've been interested in since probably my teenage years, um, going all the way back to um, you know the 1980s. And I was a big fan of watching the Carlton Sheets infomercials. And a a buddy of mine uh, in, in our freshman year in college went to one of the seminars on you know how to buy real estate no money down. You know, pay hundreds of dollars for their, their course. And it, even then, it still doesn't give you all the details you need to pull this off. So it's been something that I wanted to get into, not really sure how to get into it. And during some time in Cincinnati, Ohio, in the late, or I should say the early 90s, I teamed up with a buddy of mine where we at the time were working at an investment bank. And said, "Hey, we we are both interested in real estate. Let's let's try and see if we can buy a property, fix it up, and sell it, and see what happens." So we took a big gamble. I was I, I didn't even own my own house at the time. I was still renting an apartment, and I bought my first investment property. We didn't know anything about like fixing water lines or you know doing anything to fix up a house. But this this very first home, I mean, I learned how to solder pipe. It had lead pipes in the entire house. We ripped them all out. You could actually see from where the water line came into the house that progressed then upstairs to the second floor bathroom, how my soldering skills increased from that very <laughs> sloppy job to that, to that almost professional looking one once we got up to the second floor. But the bottom line is, you know, we took the gamble. We tried it. We didn't make a lot of money. It was a lot of time, a lot of effort, uh, a lot of learning, uh, especially trying to rehab the house ourselves in Cincinnati at that time. One of the uh, great selling features was, you know, rent to own land contract, those types of deals. And so that's what we ended up doing was uh, doing a land contract deal with the people that would eventually buy the home. And then after 12 months, we would help them find a lender that would actually lend them money and cash us out. So that happened for a couple years. We, we didn't make a lot of money, but you know, it was worth it. It was educational. And then you have this big gap from like the middle 90s to six years ago when I got this wild idea to, you know, buy a property back in my home state of Ohio near the amusement park Cedar Point. So if anybody's familiar with Northern Ohio, they should be familiar with Cedar Point and use that property as an Airbnb, you know, again, had to fix up the house. This was, you know, just me and my wife. So we fixed that up learned everything about Airbnb, Airbnb and VRBO and, and getting it rented out on a short term rental basis. And that seemed to work. It was very seasonal, but it worked. And I said, "Hmm, I wonder how difficult it would be given my you know, knowledge of this, of doing long term rentals. So again, going back to my home state in the Midwest of Ohio, I per- personally right now live in Maryland and decided, okay, well, let me reach out to some real estate agents and see if they know investors that might have properties available. So I ended up buying my first one. And I don't know if you said this, or if you and others have said this, maybe this is a a, a truism in real estate investing, but your very first long-term rental purchase is your worst. And (laughs) this is the case with mine. I still
0: have it. I've never said the worst. I've always said the hardest, but it usually tends to be one of the worst ones because you don't know what you're doing. You're getting it done. So continue.
1: Yeah. So I I ended up buying a a single family home uh, in a rough part of town where I grew up. And it was right around, I think, $58,000 came with the tenant. Tenant came with the package deal. And supposedly, you know, looking at the, the records from the investor who was selling it to me, you know. Paid on time. Well, that wasn't necessarily true. Uh, long story short, I still own the property. I have a property management company that now deals with her late rents, but we do get them eventually. It's the same tenant? Uh, same tenant. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yep. She, yeah. She, has, she has expressed interest in buying the house. However, her credit score is so bad that uh, you know no bank is going to lend to her unless she fixes up her, her credit score. But she continues to be in the house. Now, here's the kicker, which really scares me, because my property manager said, we should probably find somebody who's more, who pays on time. We don't have to chase down the rent all the time. And I said, I I, I understand. But my concern is, ever since I bought the house, the property manager, nor I, have gone in to inspect it, Hmm. nor has she contacted the property management company for any repairs or services or anything like that. And how many years has this been? This has been, it's going on uh, three and a half years. Wow. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know for a fact, but I'm, I'm wondering if she's late for her rent because she's actually taking care of repairs and maintenance and stuff herself. I don't know, but I pray to God that she is. The only time she contacted the landlord was when the refrigerator went out. And then I had him go out to Lowe's and, and buy a standard, you know, decent, not high-end, but not the cheapest either, functional refrigerator that uh, we could do. And I think it was like maybe 600 bucks or something like that. But that's that's all I've actually put into that other than the purchase price.
0: That's awesome. And you got a built-in tenant who, if they're not completely delinquent and need to be evicted, if they're paying and they pay late fees, you put up with it. That's when they stop paying you. That's when you start evicting
1: them. Yeah. Now we've, uh, we've put up numerous three day notices when she's late with the rent. But miraculously, she always comes around the middle of the month and is able to scrape together the cash to pay the rent. So I, I tolerate it. That's awesome. Well, I, I'm
0: glad that it's working out well. And so I get a lot of students that would ask me, and hey, Dustin, there's this property I'm bu- I am I'm wanting to buy, and it has a tenant in there. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Sometimes they think it's good, sometimes they think it's bad, but it's actually neutral. We just got to do our due diligence to make sure it's going to be a good tenant, make sure they're actually paying rent, all that sort of stuff. Like do the back due diligence. Here's one quick tip. So if you ever get into this, you probably already heard this, but I want to say it one more time. If you're backing into a property that has a tenant in there, always close after the fifth of the month because first of the fifth, they better have collected rent. And if they've collected rent, you get prorated rents. And so if they don't give you that prorated rent from like the sixth to the end of the month, because if you close on the sixth, you get the rest of that money because you own that property. Then they have to disclose. Oh, they didn't pay the month the rent this month. Oh, what? Well, when else did they have not pay the rent? And or if they haven't paid the rent, then the the owner is just literally giving you money. So that's just something like, because they have to give that. They even if they don't pay the rent, they have to give you that uh, pro rent because they're telling you it's rented. So yeah, that's great. Now this is the that was your first property.
1: Are you still investing in Ohio? Like, what was your next step and what did you do after that? This was before I became a student in your course. And so I I acquired this property and I didn't know anything about property managers. So the real estate agent that was involved was like, well, we also manage properties. It's like, okay, great. Do you have, is there a contract I need to sign? What, what, What do I need to do? And if anybody out there has actually dealt with a property management company and signed contracts, this will probably come to a shock to you. To you, I got a one-page typed-up form letter that basically said, "I authorize this agent to collect rents on my behalf, and will collect ten percent of the rent and then submit it to me." That was it, one pager. Okay, no problem. Signed it. And it wasn't until my next property, which was kind of outside his uh, travel range. That I started uh, looking for a property manager in a different part of Northern Ohio, and when I did find that that company, they said, "Well, here, let us send you our contract." It was like twenty-seven <laughs> pages. Exactly. It's like they, they need to oh, wow. itemize everything out. Yeah, you're right. Oh my god, what did I do that first time around? That's <laughs> not a real property management company. That's just some dude collecting rent. <laughs> That's true. So, yeah, it's I literally up, true. I ended, Yeah. So I ended up um, acquiring another property uh, close by and And this was after you you started
0: learning and after you started implementing Mm -hmm. the things that we go through in Master Passive Income. So you started realizing that building the business first is the number one thing we need to do. Find the right people before we buy the property. At least I'm I'm assuming this is what we did. So correct me if I'm wrong, but we're trying to make sure that we're finding the right people to run the business and then every property we buy is just another piece of inventory that we're
1: putting into the business. Does that make sense? Yep. So I was, I, I had, I, I identified the property. I did not have it under contract, but I started doing the interviewing process with the property management companies so I could, you know, whittle it down to the top three and figure out who I wanted to go with, and then who's going to be my backup in case that one falls through. Uh, look for the handyman, the you know, the electricians, the plumbers, the people kind of do stuff kind of on the side, on the cheap. And then once I had that team built, then I went ahead and put in the uh, uh, offer on the property, got the property, and then had the property management company uh, assume that uh, responsibility. And that's been a dream ever since. And since that worked out so well, I, I, I approached the property management company and said, hey, look, I'm interested in buying more. So if you have investors that are looking to unload properties, let me know, because I'd be interested in in entertaining uh, what properties they have. So I've branched out from, you know, Sandusky, Ohio, into Toledo, Ohio, down to Dayton and Springfield, Ohio. So kind of three, you know, metropolitan areas in Ohio. Uh, Some people ask, why not Cleveland or Columbus? uh, You know, I just don't know those areas as well. I just I just know Toledo well, I know Sandusky, I know Springfield and Dayton, I know those areas well. I'll eventually get into other states, but right now, collectively, I think my, yeah, my portfolio right now in Ohio is nine properties.
0: Nine properties, uh, man, Terry, that's fantastic. I mean, you're growing really well at a good steady pace. And what's great about the business model of building the business first is we don't need to be the experts. Like Terry, I invest in Ohio, I invest in Texas, I invest in Arizona, but I'm not the expert in there. I hire experts to do every bit of the business. So if I go in another state, I'm like, I don't even need to visit that state. I just need to make sure the numbers work, make sure I could build a business if I could find the right person to manage the properties and all that sort of stuff. If I do that, I can literally have any business anywhere. That's one thing I love. Okay, so what is some problems that you have maybe ran into that you would say, hey, watch out for this on top of the, you know, what you've already talked about?
1: The biggest problem, I would say, was um, I, I conducted a portfolio acquisition. So I was working with a property management company down in Dayton and, and told them the same thing that I, that I told my Toledo property managers. Hey, if you know of any investors looking to unload stuff, let me know. I might be interested. Well, they did have an investor that was looking to sell three properties, uh, two single family homes and a duplex. And I said, OK, well, let me let me take a look at the numbers and did, you know, used your spreadsheet with a combination of my own calculations and whatnot. And uh, it met the it met the cash flow criteria. So it's like, OK, let's move forward with this. And again, you know, as you build that team, you know, part of that team are, are your home inspectors. So I had a couple different home inspectors go out to the different properties and give me the reports. Even the property inspection reports look great. Um, no, nothing major. I mean, there was your your typical, you know, kind of cracked window, cracked foundation, nothing big that said, you know, this is a red flag. It wasn't until we started getting, uh, these, these recent rainstorms in Ohio. I think it was, uh, the spring of this year that one of the single family homes, I got billed from the property management company twice in one month for an emergency service call to go pump out the basement. And it's like, what the hell's going on? Well, what they ended up doing was finding that the um, there was blockage in like the main drainage system that, mm-hmm. that that connects, I guess, in the basement out to the street. Bottom line is, it cost me like ten thousand dollars to oh. get that dredged up and fixed. Now, this isn't the yeah. worst of it, okay? Oh, so that's that that takes care of the flooding problem in the basement, at least so far it has. So they haven't been called out to to. So they know, had to dig, the right? Way.
0: They have to get that main drain, they have to dig all that stuff, lay the whole new pipe and all that stuff. Oh, that's expensive. Okay, so that's not the worst. What is the worst?
1: Well, it, it, it's not, I mean, that's probably is the worst, but to 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 make matters worse, they get a call later saying that the roof is leaky. So they have an inspection team go up there and look at it and say, look, it's gonna cost, you know, X hundreds of dollars to fix this. And there are these other areas where they think there are problems you probably should get a new roof and gutters. And it's like, oh my God. (laughs) So all in the same year, I had a $10,000 roof and like a $10,000 drainage system put in. Now, the bright side of this dark cloud is that as part of this portfolio acquisition, when you look at the public record and how the accountant uh, treated the purchase price, I ended up acquiring this property for like 30,000... Thirty-five thousand dollars, but yet, according to Zillow and other market uh, websites out there, this is the house is like worth sixty thousand. So to me, I bought I bought it significantly below market value, and so I had to sink in, you know, forty thousand dollars. I'm still not even up to, you know, sixty. Well, I guess yeah, yeah, I'll be up to seventy. So, but it's cash flowing. I mean, there's no problem with the tenant. You know, it's cash and you know you got a good roof. You know, the, the, yep, the, you're not going to have yes. any problems with the plumbing,
0: all that sort of stuff. It happens. And that's something that it's a contingency that we have to plan for by having a reserve account, capital expenses, and stuff like that. It's a bummer, but it's a cost doing business. It is. And if I would let, and I know you're not doing this, but I'm just saying in general for everybody listening if I would let one problem like that be like, oh, this is not going to work. I would not be here literally today where I literally have all my 30 plus properties now. And I'm like, I don't have to work. I can just have fun on podcasts like this. And so yeah. if we let anything deter us, because as we're going forward, setbacks are going to happen. It's just what happens. But we account for that as we're building our business, we make sure we have expenses and everything lined up for repairs and capital expenses and stuff like that. But if we just stop, then that means game's over. If you just keep doing this over and over again, eventually it's getting to the point where I literally had two roofs go out. One was in Akron and I think the other one was in Youngstown, Ohio, which I would not necessarily recommend Youngstown. It's definitely, that's where I got started. That's my first, first, that was like D minus area. So it started talking about like areas of of, um, uh, population and all that sort of stuff. So, the class of homes were like a D minus. So I had two, anyway, two roofs going out and it was like a five or $6,000 hit for both of those each in one month. I was like, Oh, this sucks. This is bad. But I had so much money coming in from all my properties that I I think I only wrote like maybe a thousand dollar check because it just didn't cover it that little bit. So all that to say, all my money come from all properties helped to pay for those rehabs for the, the roof. So just keep building the business. Okay, so what what would you recommend for, because financing is one of the hardest things. Like everybody that I talk to, they're always asking me, how do I buy the first property? Maybe I could find it. Maybe I could build my business. But getting that money, is there any suggestions, any thoughts that you have that you, out of your experience now, that can help people with financing?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll go back to my Cincinnati days in the 90s because that's when I actually borrowed money to buy the properties because today, even before the sale of my business to Microsoft, I was paying cash for all my properties. And if and when the time is right to refi those properties to take cash out, I will, but I don't necessarily have a need for that right now. So I'm leaving the money in the properties. But when I bought my very first property in the nineties, I ran into probably what a lot of students are running into today. And that is, you know, you, you go to the, you know, the Chase, the Bank of America, the, you know, name your big bank to try and get a loan. And it's like, no bueno, man, it's not going to happen because you don't have a track record. You may not have enough savings. Your down payment may not be large enough. I'll tell you where I did find success on the properties we used to rehab in the early 90s in Cincinnati. And that was a hometown savings and loan company. It, the company was so small that the president of that savings and loan company actually would periodically work the teller window. That's how small it was. And so I, I went into him, I you know, gave him all my financials and everything, said, you know, here's who I am, here's what I'm doing. And you know, I, I got, at that point in time, I, I had a good job. And so I was doing this stuff on the side. His loan requirement was put down 30% and we'll finance 70% for as many properties that you want to do. And this, wow. this, this savings and loan was so old school, okay, that they serviced their own loans. Now, what that means <laughs> is that they actually collect the payments and- It's never done anymore, it everything. seems like. Go ahead, keep no, finishing, yeah. No, but, but yeah, so for those people that are unaware- You go to, you know, a big bank, you know, uh, in town to get a mortgage or a car loan. They take all those loans, bundle them up, sell them to Wall Street. They get the cash and then they generate new loans. And now your payment isn't actually going to the bank. It's actually going to some investment fund or investment manager, whoever bought that bundled uh, collateralized debt obligation. But he was this savings and loan was so old school. They serviced their own loans. And they gave you the little payment book that you had to bring in your payment to get stamps. That's where yeah. we found success as as young twenty something year olds trying the to do you know flips banks, yeah. and yeah. So I would say savings and loan, uh, a local credit union, something where where people know the community and they're not working for some big national bank or big regional bank that has offices you know in some state capital somewhere or financial center, it's it's going to be too difficult. I'd say stay local, stay small. And if that means if you're investing in state or out of state, you know, it may be worth the time to take a trip there and actually make a face-to-face connection with the people in that savings and loan or that credit union because the personal connections go a long way.
0: Yeah. they They want to make sure that they're lending to the right people. And so if you actually know them, it's so much better. So I think that's a fantastic bit of knowledge that you're giving everybody. Like local, regional banks, um, th- those are going to be so much better. Now, in talking about learning how to do this, obviously you went through the course, the coaching, like you went through a lot of stuff. Is there anything, like as you're going through it, how did that help you to make sure that you're going to do it right as opposed
1: to potentially losing lots and lots of money and doing it wrong? I'm the type of person that I like to follow a system. So I, li- I like checklists, that I can follow, and you provide those on plenty. So having having a step by step process done for you. That okay. I need to I need to build my team. These are the people on my team that I need to interview. Here are the interview questions I need to ask. Here's how to whittle down the ten property management companies to the top three. I, it's very uh, systematized, which is what I like. I like I like a step by step process. Um, I started to develop that before I was made aware of your course. I actually had, a, you know, like a to-do list. Like the next time I buy another property, based on my Airbnb purchase, it's like, okay, these are the things I need to do. These are the people I need to contact. These are this is the order of, uh, you know, putting the property under contract finding the home inspector, addressing the inspection issues. And if it's plumbing, here's who I call. If it's electrical, here's who I call. If it's foundational, here's who I call. I, so it was it was a checklist that I was going to follow, but then I came across your site and it's like, scrap mine, I'm using his. <laughs> it's already done.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Hey, Terry, I'm super excited that you're a student and you're doing so well. So I'm really, really excited for you. And the fact that you sold your business to Microsoft, that's just That's it. That's a feat. Like that's, that's definitely something you worked hard. So congratulations on that. But man, Terry, is there any like parting wisdom advice or anything like that before we sign off today?
1: Take that leap. And like, like Dustin said earlier, don't be deterred by big expenses that kind of crop up. I mean, that stuff is going to happen. Go in knowing that's going to happen and go in with a game plan on when it happens, how you're going to address it. As long as you have your ducks lined up, then when that happens, it's not going to be such a big deal. I would say take the leap of faith. Look, the first one's going to be the worst one. So just be prepared to deal with that. And then just know that each one after that is going to be gradually easier and easier as you go, because you're going to learn from that bad experience what to do and what not to do. Like in my case, I had no idea what a property management company was supposed to do or what their contracts look like. I still have that guy collecting rent and collecting the 10%, but I had no idea that you know a real property management company is like a 20-something page contract and it lists out all their services that they do, what they're responsible for. So, yeah, you just learn. Just go into it as a learning experience. Just don't go into it thinking, oh, man, I'm going to buy this property and I'm going to start getting rich right off the bat. That's That's not the case. And the other thing I would say too, Dustin, is even though I sold my company to Microsoft, I'm not going to stop investing in real estate. The only difference is that I'll probably start looking at bigger properties now. Instead of single family homes, I might start looking at you know more duplexes, quadplexes, who knows, maybe even an apartment complex. That's fantastic. Terry
0: Dunlap, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. I'm glad you're a student. And I'm glad you're doing well, man. And that is it for today. Go ahead and get my free real estate investing course. Text the word rental to 33777. R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. You can also join my Real Estate Wealth Builders group coaching. Get all my courses. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next show. See ya.